Don't miss an episode of our House of Cards Season 3 Recaps when you subscribe to our House of Cards podcast feed at postshowrecaps.com slash H-O-C iTunes. That's postshowrecaps.com slash H-O-C iTunes. House of Cards Season 3, Episode 2, Chapter 28 is over, but we're just getting started here on House of Cards, the post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who are about to reinvent the laws of physics. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here's Zach Brooks. Zach, how are you? Good. I ate some eggs. I drank some bourbon, so I'm doing good right now. Boom. Yes, it's all (laughs) happening. There's Uh, a whole meal now. Zach, um... I have something I wanted to uh, talk to you about before we uh, start. I know we were scheduled to talk about House of Cards today, but uh, me and the uh, post-show recaps uh, leadership have decided uh, we don't want you to uh, come back for season four of House of Cards. That is totally fine. I know it's a ways away. It's a ways away. (laughs) But think about it. You know, I'd like to sort of have a united front. And so maybe you, you can just step down for season four of House of Cards. We don't have anybody in mind yet to be the new co-host. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we've got a solid 18 months, you know, 12 months until <laughs> until the next season starts. So I think I can really turn post show recaps around in the time that I'm still here. Yes. Um, 3D shows only. Yes. Uh, and in the meantime, um, I'm also I want my wife to host the uh, Game of Thrones recap. So um, yeah. <laughs> I'd appreciate your support on that also. Sounds lovely. I think she's probably very qualified. She knows a lot about Game of Thrones. <laughs> she's studying. <laughs> All right, boy. Um, this was, I feel like in a lot of ways, a very, you know, by the book house of cards uh, scenario where it's always like Frank Underwood is at his lowest point. And things are looking at their worst and he sort of has to, you know, sort of like, you know, go to the mat and then come back and come up with a plan, which is sort of completely like is like a jujitsu type thing of turning whatever his attackers are trying to do into him uh, into an advantage. Yeah, And literally going to the mat. I mean, he he lied down in this episode and uh, when he sprang back up, he had a lot more power and uh, knew what he was doing. Yeah. I feel like that's what always has to happen to Frank Underwood. It's just like he has to like go like things have to get as bad as they possibly can get. And then he sort of like like, oh, I got it. Yeah, I, I feel like I wish I would have been kind of tracking a little bit more like when he gets to his lowest point and then he comes up with the plan for how he's going to fix whatever problem he's in. I wonder if there's any similarities to the way that he kind of reaches that. Hmm. I can't remember in the previous seasons, but. All right. Um, well, I mean, the thing that sort of comes to mind is, you know, going to the typewriter and writing the, writing the letter and then uh, that whole thing to sort of turn that whole situation around from the end of season two. But I feel like this is very uh, Underwood-esque. Yeah. I mean, we've definitely seen him come up with a plan and we're not, I don't think we fully know what his plan is, but he's clearly got one and um, we have what, 11 more episodes to find out how that plan plays out. So. Okay, so let's take this through. Of course, uh, the headline in this episode is obviously when the Democratic leadership chooses for Frank Underwood to not run again for reelection in 2016. And Frank Underwood comes up with a plan where, hey, that's great. Uh, I don't want to run again. I want to govern. And now he wants to put forward this whole big initiative for 
America works. Do you, Zach, think that this whole plan is going to work? And of course, uh, once it does work, then the American people will say, what are you talking about? We want Frank Underwood to run. I think it's even more than that. I mean, based on the conversations he had with Dunbar about, you know, releasing the classified information. And I think Frank really wants to like kind of upend this whole political system and show that he's a different kind of politician, he's a different kind of president and, and get the American people to demand that he run. Mm -hmm. The only problem I see with this is that I feel like, you know, you have this president who nobody likes, and now he's saying he's not going to run for re-election in 2016. So now he's like the ultimate of lame duck presidents where he, you know, warming the seat for whoever's going to take over in 2016. But at the same time, he wants to, you know, put forth like the most sweeping legislation that we've ever had in the country since the days of FDR. I mean, would he have, why would anybody do what he wants to do? I'm trying to think of it like in sports terms where it's sort of like, you know, um, if John Idzik with the Jets, uh, who is the, you know, highly unpopular GM that just got fired, you know, said, you know, I am stepping down from GM of the Jets in uh, a year from now. I mean, would you would anybody be excited for him to be, you know, wheeling and dealing and making all these things <laughs> like I, I would say, OK, fine, just don't touch anything. Just don't break anything while you're sitting there as the lame duck president till 2016. Yeah, but I mean, what we also see, if you want to use the sports analogy, is we see coaches who are saying, hey, this is my last year coaching, and players play really hard for those coaches, and they're inspired to play for those coaches in their last year. Yeah, but it's not an unpopular coach. I feel like it's sort of like a like the legendary coach is retiring and saying, I have like one last year, or the players like him. Like Nobody likes Frank Underwood. He's highly unpopular with the people, with the people in government. 20% like him. It's not nobody. <laughs> yeah, one out of five. <laughs> one out of five people like him. So I don't know. I, I just feel like uh, I like the speech. Um, I liked uh, what he, you know, said with the, uh, you know, you're entitled to nothing. Uh, I thought that was good, but I, I just don't know why anybody will let him do what he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, I think he's really going to try to poison the well against and basically anybody who's going to oppose him. Um, and I think we're, we're seeing seeds of that with his conversations with Dunbar about the drone strikes and, and, you know, he's, he's going to come in and he really believes in this, in this America works jobs package, especially now that he's got Doug Stamper's email to back him up. So yeah, uh, he's all about this. All right. So let's talk about the triumphant return of Jackie Sharp. And here she is and she's making it, making a big play. Uh, she wants to be Frank Underwood's vice president, although it was a, uh, a very chilling moment early in this episode where Frank Underwood asked Jackie if she supported this decision. And she said, I stand by the leadership uh, and really cut uh, into Frank Underwood. And then she also cut Remy also in this episode. So she really is living to, up to her name, Jackie Sharp. Yeah, I, I thought she was great. I, I really was glad to see her back. And I know we talked about, you know, is she going to be in this season yesterday? Uh, and she was second, third scene of, this, of the episode. She was back okay. uh, and, and was great and went on a date, too. Well, what is <laughs> what's the bigger story is that she wants to be VP or that she's actually uh, dropping down to the Mendoza line? Yeah, with uh, with Alan Cook. I don't know if we know anything about Alan Cook. But Jackie Sharp really wants to go after the VP seat. Do you think that she will ultimately get her way? 
Uh, I think I could totally see that. I mean, especially if Frank ends up being president, you know, and, and which I can totally see happening. If he's president again, we need a really dynamic VP and, uh, and Jackie would be really good for that. Hmm. Do you think that I can't imagine the house of cards goes in the direction that it ends up where Frank Underwood wins reelection and we're going to have, you know, five more years of Frank Underwood as president. Do you think that at some point Frank Underwood has Jackie as his VP and she's like, I've always felt like she was going to ultimately lead to Frank's undoing. Do you think that it's going to be sort of a role reversal where here's now the vice president who's up and coming, who takes out Frank Underwood? I mean, I I can't see how she would be vice president in this current term because that would mean you would have had, this would be the third vice president of this, the third or the fourth vice president of this term uh, Mm. with two presidents. I mean, that's, each president had two different vice presidents. I know this shows it's kind of crazy, but that would be insane. I don't think she would be vice president until reelection. Right, right. But do you feel like that he could win the election and then she sort of like uh, either assassinates him or figures out? I feel like that would be a good ending to the series. Yeah, I mean, if she takes over and, and yeah. has him murdered. I mean, I have been saying a lot that we need, you know, we need to see Frank's fall uh, from power. It, you know, sort of like what we see in a lot of other shows with the the antihero. So, well, do you think that this show ends with Frank Underwood walking away disgraced, like uh, back to his hometown? Or do you think it ends up with him dying? I could see it with him dying. I think that would make sense. Yeah, I think that, that I like that. I like so this show goes to Frank Underwood become like sort of like by hook or by crook does all these things to win this reelection takes on Jackie Sharp as the vice president and Jackie Sharp. Uh, meanwhile, plots against him and ultimately leads to Frank Underwood's death. And she becomes the new president at the end of the show. I mean, that would be, that would be a really crazy way for it to end that he's assassinated like that. But uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I could see that. Or, or are we going to get like a, a two Jackie? Well, I was thinking more like an emperor Underwood. Ooh, <laughs> wow. How would that work? The the senator, the galactic senator becomes the uh, galactic emperor and, and imposes, you know, he, we have to have a permanent president because of wartime. Yes. And, and the trade regulations and everything else that was crazy going on when Emperor Palpatine went to power. Wow. Okay. Well, as, as much as they could borrow from the Star Wars prequels, I hope they, they really do uh, get into all that. <laughs> That's a good model for sure. <laughs> worked out very well. All right. So uh, Jackie Sharp is uh, very much back in play. Also, uh, Claire Underwood had a lot to do in this episode. We saw her confirmation hearings, which did not go well. And I feel like in true Claire Underwood style, uh, we like we said in the last episode that it was going to be that she is always going to like she acts like she's smarter than everybody. And then when that doesn't work, she goes right into like bullying. And then Mendoza picked right up on that and was, you know, picked up on that line uh, that she said that the military is irrelevant. And she tried to sort of like, you know, fight her way out of it and just came off looking bad in front of everybody. I mean, yeah, that was that was really insane that, you know, I I get that she said the military is irrelevant, but he just drove home that out of context quote. I mean, that was I I get I guess that worked. I mean, it got all the media coverage, but it was like, well, she said a lot of other things besides just that one line. Hmm. Um, But but what Mendoza really showed was that was that Claire is kind of hot headed and she's going to. Uh, she's going to flip out. She's not going to be diplomatic, which is kind of the name of the game when you're the uh, ambassador to the UN. Yeah. 
And she ultimately loses the vote uh, 52-48. There was a, a couple of interesting sequences in the episode that sort of paralleled what was going on with Frank and what was going on with Claire. Uh, the first was when they were both like working the phones and they were both like really trying to, you know, get the support going where Frank Underwood needed to get the money going, the money flowing so he could get the reelection campaign uh, and he was having no luck. Uh, and then Claire was working the phones uh, for the votes. Did you like how they did that? Oh, I thought that was awesome. I really liked kind of the when they would parallel Frank and Claire during this episode and kind of show them both having their separate problems they had to deal with. I, I thought the way that they did that montage where they had kind of light on one side and dark on the other and, and you saw Frank being really mean and aggressive and, and Claire being a little bit nicer on the phone. There were just a lot of parallels between the, the two the two videos that were next to each other. Yeah. And it's interesting how the circumstances affected them both. Like Frank ultimately just got beaten down into the ground to the point where he like couldn't get up off the floor. (laughs) And Claire is like, she was the opposite. She was like, I'm going to go run. You know, I'm not going to let this, I'm not going to let this get me down. I'm going to go, uh, go running. And we see the first time in season three, Meacham's back. Yeah. We see Meacham and, and Claire goes out for the run. Not too far from my house either. Whoa. Did you see her? I wish. I don't think I've ever seen Michelle Obama or any first lady running near my house. I, I don't know if that actually happens. What about Meacham? Oh, yeah, all the time. We <laughs> hang out in the same establishment. Whoa. <laughs> what do you guys do? Oh, just, you know, tell tell old war stories, basically. <laughs> okay. Is that code? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> knock, knock. <laughs> so we see Claire Underwood go for her run, and then she comes back and finds uh, Frank on the floor. And then... Uh, her move is then she just uh, like takes his pants off him and then uh, just goes to town. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't sure exactly where we we're going. I didn't know if Meacham was going to walk in and we we're going to get like a redux of last year. No. But, um, and uh, I was watching this with my friends and, and she said, this is the first time we've ever seen Frank and Claire have sex on the show. Wow. Is that possible? I mean, I don't remember seeing them have sex at all besides the threesome, which we didn't actually see. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, can you think of any other times when that happened? Um, you know, with all of this binge watching of the show, sometimes uh, specific things like this that aren't like plot related uh, get a little blurry. I know we've definitely seen uh, Frank with Zoe uh, and I believe we've seen Claire with the photographer, but hmm. Yeah, I just don't know if we ever have seen that. Yeah. Um, but but especially not in this in this way where Frank is... Frank is powerless and just kind of laying on the floor and, and Claire is the one in control on top of him and uh, really in a power position. Yes. Well, of course we've always heard uh, Frank Underwood say he compared uh, money, you know, power is better than money <laughs> uh, that he also says that in the first season, I believe to Zoe Barnes about how sex is about power too. Yeah. And I, I noted that we really see a power shift uh, after this scene and Frank has his ideas, he's energized, he wakes up in the morning as a new man. And, you know, it's almost like Claire kind of transferred the power that she had been been working on to Frank after that scene. Yeah, it was like she put the, the breath of life back into him. Yeah, exactly. And so Frank Underwood ends up going back to the drawing board with uh, Seth and with Remy. Uh, meanwhile, this is when uh, Claire is having her confirmation hearing or the vote for uh, whether she's going to be up or down as the new ambassador, which she ultimately is going to lose. But it, the vote is happening during the selection of the eggs for the Easter egg 
role. So that on one hand sort of helps puts us in a uh, time and a place where we're in spring. I don't know exactly when Easter is going to fall this year, but I think sometime around the end of March 2015, uh, early April. So we get at least a time and a date. However, um, Claire is picking out these eggs for the egg roll. And we really are going to focus on the black egg. Zach, what is the symbolism of the black egg that Claire is going to, you know, she's going to hold it. She doesn't want there to be a black egg in the thing, but then she walks around with it. She hands it to Frank. Frank's going to have the black egg that he's trying to balance. The show is going to end with Claire making the eggs. What is the symbolism of the eggs? Yeah, you know, I didn't even like think about the Easter eggs compared with the eggs at the end of the episode. Cause I do have a theory about the eggs at the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, but I was trying, you know, I wrote down the colors of the eggs. There was the black egg. She also ended up selecting green, blue and cream as her eggs. Mm. Um, and, and then uh, red as the special egg. And you know, I, it, it's not like breaking bad where it's, it's very clear kind of what the colors represent, but I feel like there's, they, they made a point to show you what color she picked, but with the black egg, she hands the black egg to Frank right before she goes and gives her speech. And that's when, you know, Frank is sitting there trying to balance the egg and talks about the laws of physics. And he comes up with this plan. So, you know, I don't know, is the black egg a, a symbol of power? She gives it up because she loses on that vote. And then Frank gets the power. Does it go, you know, is there kind of they had sex and there's eggs? Is there something with that? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the meaning of the egg is. I mean. In sort of a biological sense, is it possible that the eggs, uh, does that represent that maybe did Frank and Claire conceive a baby? Is that possible? I remember it was, I believe this is the end of season one. Claire was pushing Frank. She wanted a baby. Uh, They didn't end up picking that back up in season two. Do you think is that a possibility that maybe we saw when Frank and Claire had sex that there could be a baby on the way for the Underwoods? I definitely thought that. And I wasn't sure if, you know, I don't know. They're both a little bit older. I don't know if that's still physically possible. Yes. (laughs) But one idea I had was Claire makes two eggs at the end of the episode. Twins. and, And Frank has 18 months left in his term which is two terms of, of pregnancy. So <laughs> she's going to have back to back babies. Well, no, I, I don't think it'll be back to back. That would be impressive. I don't think it's back to back babies, but I, I, I think they might be having twins. Hmm. If I had to guess, I think that that's what they're going for. Okay. Now this is interesting. Okay. So she cracks open one egg, right? And it's a double yolk. Didn't she crack open two eggs? Does she crack open two eggs? We need to I think come- she cracks open two at the end. Okay. Uh, but the, but the, the egg is like kind of, kind of messy in the pan it was it was not good egg form by claire underwood yeah i wasn't sure i thought that it was a and she was also puking in the sink uh also after frank gave her the news do you think uh could that be another sign and a hint that maybe claire underwood is with child i mean that's really fast uh i mean you're you're you know closer to uh having gone through the whole pregnancy process but i feel like would she be getting sick that quickly? They just well, had sex like a day or two ago. I, you know, it's hard to really tell what the time frame is on the days on on this because Frank Underwood, you know, gave the, the speech. He came up with the idea. Like, I, I would think that there's at least a couple days that happened in between 
when they ultimately had sex because he still he does the whole thing with coming up with this plan and then going live to the to the nation with it and meeting with everybody. So I, I feel like it's conceivable to think uh, no pun intended for conceivable. <laughs> uh, but I, I would think that it's not within, you know, outside the realm of possibility that this happens over a week. Yeah, I mean, I it, it could be. I also thought. When I saw her puking, I thought it was because she realized, you know, she came in and told Frank that she wanted him to appoint her as UN ambassador uh, during this during the congressional recess. And so he walks away and I felt like that was her realizing like, oh, my God, I'm actually going to be doing this job. And she knows she's not qualified for the job, too, I feel like. <laughs> and, and maybe she was she got really nervous. And that was why she started kind of dry heaving. I don't think she actually threw up. I think it was dry heaving. Now, Zach, listen to this. So. The double yoke is a very superstitious thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people believe that uh, when there's a double yoke egg, it means someone in the family will get pregnant or have twins or that they mean prosperity and other traditions blame them for bad luck and think they predict a death in the family. Oh, so we're getting something that could be very ominous. Yes. Oh man. Okay. So, well, we don't really know anybody in their family besides the two of them. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, just the fact that there was a black egg. I, I feel like there has to be something ominous uh, about all of this. Yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, black obviously is ominous. We're we're focused on eggs a lot. Um, that's, that's a pretty good bet. Yeah. So uh, we'll see exactly where this is going. The good news about this is we, we will not have to wait long to find out uh, where this is all taking us uh, through episode number two. Were you surprised to see Jackie Sharp be uh, revealing everything that was going on to Isla in a uh, late night debriefing? Uh, I, you know, I think it totally makes sense. We've seen Jackie as kind of a Frank Underwood esque, and so that she has her reporter that she's going to, much like Zoe Barnes was. Um, it, it's it's one of her her powers that she has, and, and one of her areas where she can really take advantage and, and take power from Frank. Okay. Um, it didn't seem like she was able to crack the story though. Well, she gave her enough hints that it's like, okay, you know, we, I don't know. I felt like she gave her the hints that she should have been able to put it together. Uh, and it, it, it didn't seem like she actually was able to, no. but instead of, instead of just going out and saying it, that's probably a smarter move to just give some hints and say, you know, you're smart, figure it out. Yeah. But I wonder where that's going because she ultimately didn't get the scoop on anything and then Frank Underwood basically revealed the whole thing to the American people. So I'm not sure exactly uh, what that was supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, maybe Jackie will keep going to Isla and, and keep giving her these hints. And, and maybe if you give her these hints enough and she figures out what they are, she'll eventually start learning how to crack that code. Yeah, the only thing that I could see it, that it did was then it w- it meant to Remy that, you know, she really meant business. Like, she, if you don't work with me, like, I'm going to be, a you know, a leak. And, you know, then uh, that made Isla call up Seth. And, and, you know, they found out that there was definitely somebody in that group that was uh, giving information to the press. Yeah, I think I think that that could have just been a power play. That makes sense. Okay. Um, let's talk about Doug. Doug Stamper oh, man. is back. Doug. And, you know, he sort of is watching things on TV. He's writing emails. He wants to get back in the mix of things, but still got the bourbon syringe going. Yeah. And I am more and more convinced he's doing this just to really be measured in how much alcohol he's giving himself. Okay. So is it that he is, but why, but why not just like, 
why doesn't he get like a graduated cylinder and, <laughs> and be like, or a measuring cup? And it's like, I'm only going to do one shot a day. Like it's odd that he's using a syringe to administer the bourbon. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know what he's thinking. I'm guessing that will, we'll figure that out. I'm also guessing he's going to end up just going completely off the wagon. Eventually you can't just give yourself, you know, a taste. If you're an alcoholic, I think he's probably going to keep going and, and, and have more and more, I would think. Yeah. Um, Doug and Seth is not happening. No. And I, I was worried for Doug when Seth came over there. I wondered is, all right, is this going to be the hit on Doug? Uh, Doug sent the information and Seth is either, um, either intimidated by Doug or threatened by Doug or did, did Frank say, all right, this is enough, Doug. Let's get rid of him. Yeah. And Doug is like pretty clear. He doesn't really like Seth. Seth is like, I don't really want to visit you, but I have to. <laughs> so do I have to keep coming here? Like I, ha- and basically he tells him, I have to keep coming. You don't have to let me in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they're, they're very contentious. You would think Remy and Doug would be a more contentious relationship than Seth and Doug. Yeah, but Doug was always the one that was kind of a jerk to Seth. Like Remy wasn't in the administration when Seth was there. So maybe Seth feels like he outranks Remy because uh, he has seniority. Like even though Remy has a longer track record with Frank, like Seth has been, you know, a employee for a steady amount of time for the longer period. But unfortunately, uh, Doug does not, you know, give Seth anything. Yeah. And, and this, this goes back to last season when, when Seth's first started working with Frank and it was almost like, you know, the older brother who gets a new, a new baby in the family who comes in and uh, who's not having it. All right, let's go ahead and get into some of our emails. Of course, uh, you guys can email us your thoughts on these episodes as you go ahead. And if you get ahead of us, uh, send us an email to house of cards at post show recaps with the subject line of the chapter that we're talking about. All right, uh, Zach, do you want to get us started on the emails? Yeah. So uh, the first one is from ben, Brendan Fitzpatrick, and he says, do you think Mendoza was trying to bully Claire to show she wasn't a good candidate and hurt Frank, or was he just trying to do his job as a member of the panel to vet her? Did he go too far? <sighs> I mean, I feel like the answer to all those things is uh, yes. Like, I feel like it was both things. Like, he wants to sort of, like, you know, show her she's a little bit out of her league and try to make her look bad. Um, I don't think he's just doing his job. I think he is gr- certainly grandstanding. What do you think? Yeah, I think it has more to do with Claire than it does with Frank. I think if Mendoza is smart, he probably can see the writing on the wall that Frank isn't going to be necessarily running for reelection. So, um, you know, I think he wants to make sure that Claire is not in this position. And, and even when they have their discussion on the phone, he tells her, he's like, well, if you can get everybody on your side after what happened today, Go for it. But yeah, but politics is such a game. And it's also like, you know, that he's trying to win the, you know, Republican nomination. Like, could you imagine like if Michelle Obama was trying to be, you know, confirmed as the ambassador for the UN and then you had like some uh, somebody like who was a Republican who was trying to like look good, like maybe like a Chris Christie and uh, even though he's a governor and he probably wouldn't be in that in that spot on the uh, confirmation hearing, but he could sort of like make the, you know, the president's wife look bad in the process. Like you got to imagine like all everybody on the right side of the aisle would be really pumped up that he did that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, 
I can't imagine it like somebody talking to Michelle Obama like that. I don't know the kind of the way that. <laughs> yeah, she's a little more warm and fuzzy. It, it would probably Hillary Clinton is always the better example to you. Yeah, that's true. Because, uh, you know, you would probably come off looking bad. But Michelle Obama is not trying to be the ambassador to the U.N. If she was, uh, you know, and then you talk to her like that, I think then might be a little more acceptable than, you know, if she Michelle Obama is telling you not to eat carbs. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like, uh, how dare you, Mrs. Obama, that I'll <laughs> eat what I want. Thank you very much. <laughs> I will sit in front of the TV. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's a question from uh, Johnny De Silvera. And he wants to say, I'm loving this side of Jackie. She's a female version of Frank for sure. Uh, are, are you buying that uh, female Frank Underwood is Jackie Sharp? Oh, I, I think that that was kind of what she was booked as when she was uh, when she was first introduced on the show. I remember reading some press before season two came out and it said, you know, this is going to be Frank Underwood's match. And, and I didn't feel like she really was last season. I think she's uh, definitely in more power now and in, in I was I, I really, really liked her in this episode. I thought she was great. And I'm really excited to see where she goes. And um, if this new boyfriend of hers, you know, Alan Cooper turns out to be anything impressive. OK. All right. Uh, you got another question, Zach? Uh, yeah. So uh, this one is from Antonio Mazzaro. And he says, chances of Frank being honest about not running. Use the truth scale of George Washington to Saul Goodman. One hundred percent. Jimmy McGill slash Saul Goodman. Yeah, I think I would even go past that if we're going to go to other post-show recaps characters. And I would say he's like Ben Linus at this point. He is lying through his teeth. He's definitely going to be rerunning. Yeah, I mean, he even said he would like turn to us. He's like, uh, like, I'm just telling them this. Like, he, he definitely is wanting to rerun. He said, I will not be, you know, a placeholder. Like, I will have a second term. I will have a legacy. And I, I don't think that there's any secret about that. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talk, we've talked a lot about legacy and Claire being Claire seems a lot more concerned about legacy than Frank is in terms of long lasting legacy. Frank is just kind of worried about himself. Um, does that tie into the potential? Maybe there is a child on the way. Hmm. Boy, if there is a child on the way, um, I wonder if that would be a difficult decision for Claire Underwood. Of course, we had everything that was going on last season with the abortion doctor and all that stuff. Now, could you imagine Claire Underwood gets confirmed for the position that she wants and is also pregnant? What would she end up doing? Oh, like you think she'd have to pick one or the other? I think so. I think it's hard to, you know, be, you know, take on this position of the ambassador of the UN and also have a baby at the same time. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying you couldn't do it if you were pregnant, but I think that at the point where you have the baby, I think you'd have to take some sort of a leave of absence. And I'm not sure you could do that in that job. Yeah, that's true. And, and she would just be getting started and then having to leave right after that. Yes. And um, could that be another scandal that unfolds? Yeah. And, and then is she choosing between two different legacies, her own and then her, her offspring? Oh, boy. All right. We started the season with Frank's dad and Frank's dad's grave. You know, the more and more we talk about this, the more I think we're looking at, you know, something with with a child, with a, with a human legacy coming. Yeah. Yeah. I think that maybe that could really be something that's good for Frank politically to have the baby, but bad for Claire's career. I mean, that it, it really, really makes things interesting. And, you know, and if that's what happens and she tells Frank that she's pregnant, you know, does Frank just look at this child as another opportunity? Mm-hmm. The black egg. Yeah. The black egg, child, <laughs> black egg. All right. Zach, we're just getting started here. Season three. We've got still 11 more episodes to talk about here 
on our season three coverage of House of Cards. If you want to get your emails into us, send them to us at House of Cards at postshowrecaps.com. And if you want to subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode of our House of Cards recap coverage, you can go to postshowrecaps.com slash H-O-C iTunes, or of course, leave your comments for us on postshowrecaps.com. And of course, uh, please be respectful to people that have not seen as far as you have. Only talk about up to chapter 28 in the comments for this episode. All right. Yeah, sounds good. No spoilers. All right. All right. Do you have a hashtag for this episode? Oh, man. Uh, is it double yolk egg or black egg? Black egg, I think. That's black it. egg. Yeah, that was that was your favorite. All right. I, I do think I do think 18 months. They keep talking. They said 18 months a lot. And, and that's a multiple of nine months. So um, pay attention. I think there's something there. All right. So we will be back with House of Cards Chapter 29 recap tomorrow. Looking forward to it, Zach. I'll talk to you then. All right. Talk to you tomorrow. Take care. Bye.